Shot with Cap and J Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. That's why I Good morning and welcome into the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. Good morning, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Thanks so much for keeping the conversation going. Brought to you by Connie's Pizza. Now time for Shot or No Shot. And it's proudly brought to you by the fine folks over at... Here is Shay Norling. Let's get right into it. A lot to get to. Snore. Thanks, Secretary. Good morning. All right, let's get right into it. I want to ask about the Bears. They had a num- one and a half percent chance of getting the number one overall pick. Why after is that their- horse around? For God's sakes, we don't have a sponsor yet. Get out of there! Whatever, whoever does end up sponsoring Shot or No Shot has to be horse related, right? It's got to be an equestrian <laughs> sort of business. Correct. <laughs> Go ahead, Shay. <laughs> Got to be a drug used to treat laminitis. It's so ridiculous. Let's go. Uh, the Bears had a 1.5% chance of getting the number one overall pick after their blowout victory in New England way back in October. They, of course, lost out the season. And after the Texans converted the only 4th and 20 of any team all season for a game-winning score, the Bears got the top pick. Shot or no shot? Ryan Poles proved tanking is as easy as you make it in the NFL. That's a no shot. It's a long freaking season, man. It is not easy to pull off what they pulled off. They got some breaks. The football gods smiled on Chicago Sunday afternoon. No, they didn't. It was not a tank. It was, I'm not putting any draft capital or any money into this team, but you cannot get guys to not play hard, i.e. the Texans. They tried to win. Shay, could you restate the last... The question, the last the, question. The Bears proved tanking is as easy as you make it in the NFL. Hmm. Well, Cap, you say it's no shot, right? That's what I say. It's not easy. Well, is it easy to tank? I would imagine so. I mean, look at it from this standpoint. Look what the Bears did this season. You took veteran players off the roster. You didn't have much of an offensive line. It's almost like Justin, go out there and just do what you can. Um, they didn't put real any money into the team. He actually, I won't say it was easy, but that's exactly what the Bears did. The Texans kind of did the same thing because they don't have, post uh, Deshaun Watson, they don't have any talent, or very little talent. Actually, I'll take it back. The Texans have more talent than the Bears do. No question. The yeah. Bears have the worst roster in the NFL. I wouldn't laugh at the Texans, by the way, because uh, how often have they been in the playoffs? In, in there pretty often, actually. More than O'Brien. us. Yeah. yeah. Under Bill O'Brien. Yes. So, you know, I wouldn't laugh at them. They're just going through the doldrums of not having a, a top-tier quarterback like they had with Watson. Correct. So, you say no shot. That's, it's interesting. I, I, I guess I'd say no shot, too. I just think that if teams want to unplug their roster cap, they can. You don't know if you'll get the number one pick, but you can if you're going in that direction. Now, as I've been on, if does it work? And I say, ultimately, for sustained success, it does not. For me. It, in the NFL. It's a very difficult process to navigate. Yeah. As so, you said earlier, it's not like baseball. It's a very good question. Shay. 
Justin Fields talked about how much he'd love to have broken Lamar Jackson's rushing record, but that the goal is to break passing records. This year, we know the team just wasn't talented enough for Fields to excel as a passer, but shot or no shot, next season, there are no excuses left for Fields' passing game. <laughs> That's, um, well, it depends on what you have, right? It depends on what new offensive lineman you have and also depends on the weapons you give for him. Is, there someone, is it going to be Herbert show? Is it going to be Montgomery and Herbert back there um, next year? That depends, doesn't it? You cannot. I don't believe your, Khalil Herbert's going to be your number one bell cow back. I don't believe that. So you, but Shay's asking no more excuses for the passing game of for Justin Fields. I've got to know exactly what is done, as you just said. What are we doing in the draft here? We thought going into this year, you may have asked this question before last year's draft. It's a no shot. And we but took Brisker and Gordon. It's a no shot, but I would like for you to ask you this question on January 10th, 24. Yeah. <laughs> like if you Boy, told if me- I'm asking that question on January 10th, 24, the Bears might be picking a quarterback in the 2024 draft. <laughs> fair. It's fair. It's a fair well, question. That depends. Yeah. What did you get him? Yeah, it, it's uh, at it, some point. Don't you have to start holding the quarterback accountable? Like, if if you get him and talent around him, and it's just terrible, you're not going to then go. Okay, you're four. We'll finally evaluate him. At no. some point, you just go. We got to reset the clock. <laughs> if you've got Caleb Williams and Drake May in the draft next year, and this year's bad, I don't care what you put around him. You just got to start over. We we're holding him accountable now. Are we not? No, I agree. But I'm just saying, like. Every, everybody talks about, well, he doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't have wide receivers. He doesn't have any help. So the passing game, you can't evaluate it. If that's the case again next year, I think you have to move on. Yeah, I'm not that's as... The, that's the way I'm asking this question. Yeah, I'm not as quick to just throw the towel in. Again, if you tell me he went and got the number one left tackle in the draft and he made another trade and got a big-time wide receiver this year's version of A.J. Brown and he still has issues throwing the football, that's a different story. But if Ryan Pulse says this is more than a one-year rebuild and I'm not adding much to the offense, I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just throwing a hypothetical out yeah. there. Well, then that's not on Justin as much as management. I understand what you're saying, but as far as a redo, if the team underachieves with Justin as a quarterback, again, no quarterback stands on an island by himself. No quarterback stands by like that guy makes the difference for everything. He is the elixir to come up. Now here's the thing. Here's the one off with that. Joe Burrow with a rickety offensive line got to the Super Bowl. He did. But, but he had weapons. Though. He had weapons. That's the difference. Correct. Right? So so no quarterback is the elixir to fix everything on a football team, especially offensively. No no quarterback can flourish and be great, good to great, without weapons around him. It's, it's not just his legs. If it's just his legs again next year, that's a major problem. Correct. I don't. I expect him to cut those rushing yards in half at the very least next year. Yeah, he may have a little more than than half of what he got. I would think he'll have more. If, I, if there was an over under, I would bet more than half. But again, you have to protect this kid. You've got to put weapons out there, and you got to protect him. I mean, you got to have weapons, right, Joey G? Correct. All right. What's the next one? What else do you have? <laughs> 
All right. Well, the city of Chicago is putting the full court press on the Bears to stay downtown. Landmark Development yesterday unveiled a video tour of the reimagined Soldier Field. It included expanded seating, food halls, bars, what looked like a sports book, some beautiful... club area way up at the top of the skyboxes and a central mass transit hub across the street for easy access. I love it. Shot or no shot, whether the Bears leave, this is happening. No shot. What? There's no shot that that is happening. That is a joke. How about we put the money into crime in the city, schools for our kids, the infrastructure... That's a, that's an absolute joke. Just because Bill Curtis's velvety tones are voicing over the video. I mean, the mayor continued, and I don't live in the city. I'm not voting in the election. This is not a political show. Uh-huh. The fact that they're wasting our time and their resources on a joke like that. We're not getting a second NFL team. The Bears have the right to say no. It's not going to happen in the near future. Hang on a second now. Don't be saying that about... Let's fix the carjackings and everything else that goes on in our city. Keep our people safe. Fix our roads. Make schools great for our kids. And quit worrying about putting a dome on a dump. It's a dome dump then. 810 here on WLS. Now time for traffic. Here's Mary Vandeville. (laughs) She's a G. Uh, She does multiple out here. Stations. Maybe. How about that, Joey? Well, I agree 100% with Cap. Thank to me, you. that's all it is. is a political move for Lightfoot. Trying to get reelected. Uh, I would say that Arlington Heights is already locked in because, as Mayor Lightfoot once said, it's like, oh, the Bears just have to worry about being relevant past October. And uh, I would just tell her that she has no idea the power of the National Football League. I think she knows now. She knows now. But at the time, she's like, oh, there's no way that the Bears... They're not? Just be relevant past October and try and beat the Packers. Guess what, Mayor? Okay. Interim. Uh, Don't say that. That's it, not fair. True. She's the mayor. That proposal with that Bill Curtis audio, and I love Bill. That, that's such a joke. <laughs> that literally... I got a good laugh out of that. It's insane. I want you to leave Bill Curtis alone. I like Bill. He's awesome. He's a legend. Who can we get to voice over this stupid video that I'm trying to use? Bill Curtis would be amazing. I I love the fact that, I mean, that's a great imagination that the city has with those specs. It just won't happen here. It looked beautiful. I laughed out loud at the transit station. The big, (laughs) gorgeous... It looks like an airport. Dude, you have ghost trains on the red line. You're going to build a transit station? My train doesn't show up in the morning. I have to wait for three of them to go through the app that doesn't work. You're going to build a big station down across from Soldier Field? Give me a break. They have a chai line, too. That That looked pretty appealing. I like that, too. I like that, too, JC. Good evening. I'm Bill Curtis. Let Chicago, <laughs> a brand new stadium reimagined on the lakefront. I'm surprised that the mayor had time to put this together without worried she was about her season tickets. You see that story? I did see that. Did Jeez. See that. And wow. now, Walter's perspective. Yes, Mrs. Mayor, you're looking for a new stadium. However, Arlington Heights is already there. You're late for the party. <laughs> <laughs> Walter's perspective. Thank you, Bill. 
All right, Shay, what else do you have? Uh, Zach Levine has quietly put together a very strong month for the Bulls. He's got nearly 26 points on 52% from the field and 47% from three per night over the last 15 games to go with four assists and four rebounds. This push from Levine comes at a convenient time for Eastern Conference All-Star selections. Shot or no shot, Levine should make the All-Star team. No shot. Absolutely no shot. He's not making it. The team's not very good. They're banged up. No. That's a shot. More than likely, he will be an all-star. Someone's going to be represented from Chicago, and I think that's going to be Zach Levine. Now, whether that is, that could be the fan popular vote. Uh, If the fans are smart, they'd look at it and say, you know what? That DeMar DeRozan, he seems like he's a guy that probably should be in the all-star game. I would imagine that Zach will be in the all-star game. If Zach's not there, then no one's going to be represented by Chicago. Zach Levine will be an all-star yeah. in Salt Lake. No I shot. do not believe the Bulls will have an all-star unless it's DeMar DeRozan. It will not be Zach Levine. I don't believe. You know the best development to me, Hoodie, hmm. is over this last 15 games, just aside from the scoring numbers and the, and the shooting efficiency, he's at like nine threes a game. Yes. Where has that been all year? I want to see that more often. This whole thing where he's shooting 11 times a night from three, do that every night. Yeah, Billy apparently had a heart-to-heart with him. So I need you to start shooting the basketball. And if it doesn't go in, shoot it again. All of this could be fixed if only the Bulls had a point guard. And ultimately, that's the problem. If you had a lead guard that could be able to make DeRozan better and Levine better, this could solve a lot. But when you have the Levine handling the ball, bringing it up, or DeRozan bring it up, or you have, uh, or Kobe White bring. There's your problem. You don't have a point guard. I mean, Caruso's a nice hybrid guard. Io, yeah, he's a he's a hybrid. He's yeah. a combo guard. Yeah, yeah, a number of those guys on the roster. I'm looking up in the fourth quarter last night. He's got zero assists. I'm like, brother, you got six points, zero assists at that point. Let's go. If only you had a real uh, lead guard that could be able to harness all of this. He's in L.A. Yeah. Well, there you have it. All right, knee. coming up, big night for yours truly last night as Georgia smashed the Toads. We'll talk about that game <sighs> and so many things that happened. Nash- a buy in the national championship. Yeah, and, and you know what? Still counts for a championship. It does. We'll talk about it coming up next on Cap and Jay Hood. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Doug inside steps the rush, launches downfield. Johnson, the attempted receiver, but it's picked off. Javon Buller patrolling it deep middle of the field, and it's the second takeaway for the Dogs defense. ECU backs off, rushes three, plays coverage. Bennett down the middle, catch made Bowers. Doesn't matter how many guys you put in coverage, they can't cover him. And the ball better come out quickly in an empty set. Snap it at two. He's immediately pressured. Winters chasing Bennett. 13 versus 13. But the quarterback wins that battle. Bennett keep it all away and just sauntering into the end zone. His second rushing touchdown. And Georgia throwing haymakers and building a big lead now. Ah, the back-to-back. National champion Georgia Bulldogs get the job done against TCU 65 to 7. Welcome back. Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Still to come, we're going to hear from Albert Breer, getting his thoughts about the Bears in the National Football League. But yes, Cap, ah, second verse, same as the first for my Georgia Bulldogs winning the national championship. I could not be happier about a team. 
that was just a contender, just a team for a long time under Mark Richt, just a team that was just kind of hanging around the SEC, and now uh, under Kirby Smart, a power in college football, the Georgia Bulldogs winning the championship. Pretty cool. I watched the game. I was entertained for about, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes because I'm not a Georgia guy. You're the Georgia guy on the team. Uh, I had money on the over on the tight end. That tight end's insane. Blake Bowers or Brock Bowers. That guy's ridiculous. The talent level of the Georgia Bulldogs, hats off to Kirby Smart, his recruiting coordinators. They are an awesome, awesome team. They deserve their championship. TCU's a fraud, did not belong in the playoffs. They beat Michigan. I don't care. They did not deserve to be in the Final Four. They lost to Kansas State. That should have knocked them out. Alabama deserved to be in that playoff. I know they had two losses. uh, TCU had one. Alabama's two losses were in the freaking SEC, both on the road by a combined five points. They would have wiped the streets with TCU. Yeah. We would have had the best four know? teams. Because the best I watched four teams, what they did is Michigan State. one of the best four teams. They were undefeated. They there was lost to they TCU, could do about it. so why doesn't TCU deserve it? T- I still don't get this. You were doing this in our text chain and on Twitter last night, and it's lunacy. They won a playoff game. I you said it before the playoffs. They didn't deserve to be in there. And then they beat Michigan. They and won a playoff game. You can't kick them out. Alabama beat the living crap out of Kansas State. Annihilated them. The bowl Ran game. 45 up. Georgia yeah. is generational they're the best program in the country by far two straight titles what kirby smart has done has now made his case he's in the hall of fame there's a lot of guys that have won one back to back with that level of talent tells me they got something amazing going on down there let me just mention a few things. And, Jay, we can get back to this. I just want to make sure it's clear because I don't want this segment to be what Alabama didn't get because they weren't in the national title game and the feeling that, well, the semifinals, that was a real national championship game. The real national championship game took place yesterday. And I couldn't care less if anyone thinks it was not aesthetically pleasing to them to watch the game yesterday. Yeah, it was a blowout, but as a Georgia fan, I couldn't care less what everybody else thinks. All I know is that my team won the national championship. And if you don't like Cinderella's in the national championship game, then it's up to Michigan to keep them out. That's a power, after all, for you Big Ten guys that like to pump, like to pound your chest about the conference, then keep TCU out. Now, this whole thing over the years of, you know, you got to let the little guy in, give him a chance, the South Floridas and the Cincinnati's and the TCU's. When the lights shine brightest, what happens? They melt under pressure. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. TCU's a nice little story. Max Duggan is a nice little story. But when, it takes, when you take on an SEC power like Georgia or when you take on Alabama, that's what it looks like. We beat their ass yesterday and exactly right. And by the way, they did not, they did not turn it off. They could have easily just knelt down for four quarters for the, in the fourth quarter and allowed TCU to get back in the ballgame, but they did not. Here's the thing. I really love the idea that, that Kirby Smart said, you know, Stetson Bennett, you deserve to have a curtain call. Think about how dominant Georgia is when Stetson Bennett is taken out of the game so he can get a curtain call like it's baseball. Are you kidding me? It was unbelievable. That's how dominant that we were yesterday. I, I thought it was, a, and I had the over I was fine with. I thought it was a little excessive when he's throwing the football at the end and they're up, what, 
52 to 7, we're whatever run, it was. We're running our offense. Holy smokes. We're running our offense. And we were running the football, too. TCU was just demoralized. But again, this is when you let the little sisters of the poor in, like, oh, but they beat Michigan. So, okay, that's what it looks like. Correct. But again, I don't care. When people are giving me feedback, like, you know, if Ohio State only had this person or if TCU only had their running back, if, if, if Georgia wins the national championship, you want to do something about it, come beat us next year. That's the whole thing because now we got it. After all those years, Cap, of seeing Alabama and other teams being on top of the food chain in college football, now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. And let me just say this about Stetson Bennett, too. A lot of questions about Stetson Bennett yesterday. I will say that I did not respect Stetson Bennett. The program did not ex- uh, did not respect Stetson Bennett because when you think of great college football quarterbacks, you see Stetson Bennett and you go, yeah, back-to-back national champions. But even the program didn't believe in him. Even the program well, was just like... He left and went to a JUCO, right? Had to. Yeah. But then when he came back, they still didn't believe in him. Right. Because it's like, look at this guy, entitled, you know, he's, he's Stetson Bennett the fourth. Who is this guy? You know who this guy is? This guy is going to go on, go down in history as one of the great, if not the greatest, Georgia Bulldog that we've seen. Correct. Think about that. He will be a legend forever in Georgia football. And that game last night, God bless you. I'm happy for you. I was rooting for you because you're my friend, and I wanted you to get your second straight title. That, as you put it, was little sisters of the poor out there. That was a joke. I mean, it, it easily could have been Michigan, but do something about it. You know, Ohio State, if they if they want to be in the national championship, then you know what? You don't let down the fourth quarter and let us come in. And that was a hell of a ball game. But, again, SEC's just that much better. It just matters more. And we beat their ass, too, when it, when it mattered. And so here you go. When you think of great quarterbacks, and I will apologize to Stetson Bennett as a Georgia fan, because when you think of great quarterbacks in college, think about it, Cap, Matt Leinart. You think about Baker Mayfield. You think even Tim Tebow, right? You think about that, you think about Mar- Marcus Mariota, Deshaun Watson, Graham Harrell, Landry Jones. There's been so many. Then you see Stetson Bennett, you go, hmm, seems less than, but really not, though. Give him his full credit. I give him his flowers because the program, Georgia fans, no one believed in him, and then there he is. He gives you a little smile, by the way, in the second quarter. After he throws a touchdown, I go, yeah, we're going to win. He's already cocky in the second quarter. He's like, yeah, we got this. Because they saw TCU leaking oil. Horn frogs. Let you me, kidding me? Let me tell you. Stop. J- Jalen Carter up front, he just blows things up. Yep. Holy bleep. They had, he's 88, 99, whoever that kid is. Holy smokes. And even Kirk Herbstreit said, they just took Carter out for a play. This guy's just as much of a line wrecker. Yes, so Bear Alexander That's wears number 99. Yeah, Bear. He's a freshman. It's insane. True freshman. True freshman. <laughs> that kid was playing high school football a year ago. Oh, my God. And please, can we stop with the TCU this? The t- oh, God, they were so outclassed. You know what? If Alabama joke. wanted to play Georgia, then they should have beat LSU, and then they would have played him in the SEC title, and they would have made the playoff. But you know what? They didn't beat LSU. Enough. It's just enough. They the games the- have to matter. They beat Michigan in a playoff game. You can't kick them out. It's stupid. Yeah. I said to you before the selections, not after the Michigan game, before the selections, TCU, nice little feel-good story. They, if you put them 
Okay, here's the two. It's Alabama and TCU. What's the point spread? Alabama would have been a 10-point favorite. Alabama wasn't there. No, they do care, Shay, because the bottom line is, you know what the goal is? Put the four best teams in. Not the four best feel-good And you're one of them. But if you don't beat LSU, you're not one of them. That's it. And Alabama took Kansas State. I don't State know. This is your outer your space ass. on this. Your outer space on this. They Alabama won a playoff game. Kansas State, who beat your ass. TCU This is the stinks. worst take you have ever had. Kicking a team that won a playoff but game out of the playoffs. we got to have the, the feel-good story. Insane. The kid from Council Bluffs. we got to get him there. Stop. They were absolutely a junior high team last night. Give Georgia their flowers. They're amazing. TCU's a joke. Michigan also would have got stomped. And you want to exp- exp- you know, um, try to expand the playoff. Well, you're still going to get these little sisters of the poor in there. Like, like a two-loss Alabama team just wasn't going to get to the national championship. Just wasn't. Just wasn't. I don't care what they lost by a cap. A two-loss team was not going to be able to pass a sniff test. Would it have been more entertaining? Yes. But it's not about that. It's what the committee decided. Simple as that. It's what they decided. I just think they were wrong. So that, given that example of other two lost teams that have made the Final Four, go ahead. I'd have to go back go through it. But how, it about, how about none? You don't have to. It, it never happened. But my point is it should be about the four best teams. And by any eye test, Alabama's one of the four best teams. Not freaking TCU after they lose to Kansas State. Period. You've got to take, take care of your business, though, if you are Alabama. That's the problem. They were not as dominant as they have been in the past. Right. Why even have a regular season if we're just going to give Alabama a red carpet? Why even play the games? I, you know, here's, the, here's the thing. Is Alabama one of the uh, top four teams in the country? Yeah, probably top three. Absolutely. But you have to take care of your business if you are Georgia, if you are Alabama. Simple as that. Now here, next year, be careful. Here we go. It'll be Alabama and Georgia more than likely battling for an opportunity to win the national championship again. And they don't even play each other in the nope. same league. We have a very arduous schedule, though. Very difficult. Oh, God. I saw your schedule. That's a joke. Huh? Your schedule is embarrassing. Kirby Smart should go to the podium today when he gets the press conference. Then they give him the trophy and all that. Kirby, you should throw that schedule back in and go make it tougher. Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. That's going to be 12 and 0 without breaking a sweat. That's a very difficult UT Martin team they're going to face right. to open up the season. I don't know about you. Got a rough one with Vanderbilt. Oh boy, very difficult. They're in the they're in the SEC. UAB. You know? There's another tough one. Tough. Trent Dilfer, better the coach now. Yeah. He better be playing quarterback. Albert Breer on the Bears in the National Football League. That comes up next. TCU. It is Captain J Hood weekday mornings at seven. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Hello. Football on ESPN 1000. Hello, Bert. Albert Breer. Hey, Bert. Senior NFL writer for SI.com joins Cap and Jay Hood. Bert's it. What? You're it, Bert. On ESPN 1000. What do you mean I'm it? We see, that's the game. I just tag you, and you're it until you tag somebody else. Albert Breer. No, no, I'm not playing a game. I'm reading, Ernie, and I'm not it. Okay. On Chicago's Home for Sports. But Bert is it. Captain J. Hood, mornings 7 to 10 here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. 
The Bulls lose to the Celtics last night. DeMar DeRozan has an injured quad. Georgia blows out TCU 65-7. to And Johnny Cueto signs with the Miami Marlins. Let's return to Albert Breer with us here on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Albert. Hey, Hoodie. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Must have been a must have been a fun Sunday uh, watching the Texans and the Bears duke it out there. <laughs> um, I, I like it was the weirdest thing because I like honestly like after you know it became pretty clear Buffalo was going to beat um, you know beat, beat New England. Then we had the drama with the Dolphins and the and the Steelers and, and who was going to make it there. And um, you know I actually thought like the Texans Bears drama was almost as compelling. And I can't imagine what that must have been like to watch, you know, Lovey Smith in his last act as Texans coach, like rip the hearts out of Houston and uh, and do everybody back in Chicago a big solid. Yeah, we're going to put a statue of Lovey up at the new stadium <laughs> when they get that thing built. Burke, good morning to you. So let's talk about your discussion with Matt Eberflus. Very interesting article on SI.com and the Monday morning quarterback that you write. What is your takeaway when Ryan Poles goes to the podium this morning at 10.30, after your informed discussion with Eberflus, does Poles say, yeah, we're going to look at everything, but he's our quarterback? Or does he say, well, we might draft one? I think he's going to show confidence in Justin Fields. I mean, I look, guys, I, I still think there's like obviously a long way to go until the draft, you know, and... Um, I would say this, like if you think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or one of those guys is Trevor Lawrence, you know, or Patrick Mahomes, well, you know, then the equation changes. But, I, I you know, I, I think Justin Fields showed a lot. And I think one of the great things about watching Justin Fields this year is, like, how much room there is for growth. You know, like he made you competitive in a lot of situations where maybe you wouldn't have otherwise been competitive. And, um, and I – I, I think, you know, you look at it and you still see where there is so much room to grow. And if you put him behind a competent offensive line and you give him a couple of weapons, how different this could look, you know? And so that's what's interesting about it to me is sort of where Justin Fields can take this next and what you can do to help him, um, you know? And, and so I think just out of respect for, like, just the way he put his body on the line for your team, and the leadership he showed, the kind of kid he is, um, he's never bitched once, I don't think, right? Like, am I right about that? That is correct. Like, he's never bitched once about anything. And I live in New England, and I've seen, like, Mac Jones kind of whine about a lot of things, you yep. know? And so I, I've seen the other side of what that looks like. Um, I think out of respect for everything Justin's done, they're going to tell you that, that Justin Fields is their quarterback, with the caveat that if, you know, they go through the evaluation process and there's something that's just off the charts there, the most important position on the field they have to they have to consider it. Albert, you are correct when you say we're not there yet for the draft you know, because by the way, by the way, by ahead. the way, the one thing I would add to I wouldn't underrate this piece of it. Like there is like a poker game that all general managers have to play mm-hmm. with and I and I think one thing you have to do if you wanna create some value in that pick and like let's say Ryan Poles' intention is to trade that pick you have to make every other team that might want to trade for that pick believe that you are considering absolutely everything, you know? Like, so I think that that's a factor too, is just like letting everybody else know, like, Hey, like you can't count on us passing on anything here. So if you want to, you know, take the guesswork out of it, you're going to have to come up and get this pick from us. 
Let's talk about tanking in the NFL with the Bears. This is exactly what Poles has decided to do. He leveled this, this franchise, got rid of some of the veterans, and number one team in the league as far as salary cap. So, yep. and so again, this is not baseball or basketball in the NFL. Do you think that this plan works, tanking, or in a, just in the NFL overall? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple schools of thought on this, Hoodie. Like, I, I, like, like there's the like Buffalo school of thought. There, I mean, Buffalo, Atlanta. I think had, had done this with Arthur Smith, where um, you know what you do is you make yourself competitive in year one, and then you sort of do the quote unquote tank, where you you know take on a bunch of dead money and and gut the roster in year two. Um, and the logic behind doing it that way is you put yourself in a position where you're going to build belief in the locker room and you're going to build belief in the organization in year one. So then when you actually do gut the thing out and you, and you do have, and you do go through like the necessary process of cleaning the books and clearing the decks and building up draft capital, everybody in the organization, everybody in the locker room knows that you're capable of getting it back to where it needs to be. And then the other school of thought is, well, you just do it in year one and get it over with and get past it. And that's obviously what the bears did. So, there are two different schools of thought there in the, in the way that you do it. I don't think anybody would admit to calling it a tank, but I mean, I think a lot of times when you do come into these situations, there's a messed up salary cap. There's contracts you have to offload. There's, you know, a, a, a sort of cleaning out process that's necessary. And so, you know, there are different ways to go about doing that. And I think people have had success and failure doing it each way in the past. Albert, I was talking to a former executive yesterday who said if there was a Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft, he said if you think back to 17, there were questions, as Mahomes, as Hoodie put it, too wild, yeah. can he make? But he said Trevor Lawrence was... I mean, the, there were people, there were people, I mean, Cap, there were people who had a third round grade on Mahomes. So, like, there's a lot of revisionist history. When it correct. Comes to him, He's, but he I mean? said it, there is not a guy this year that you go, I'll mortgage everything to get that guy trevor lawrence or peyton manning he said there isn't one of those he goes bryce young's really good but he's slightly built there's question stroud does he process quick enough is he a a, a, a product of ohio state's talent level will levis there's questions but he certainly has a lot of the characteristics so does that diminish what the bears can hope to get in a trade at all Maybe. I mean, I, I think, you know, we still have like a long way to go, you know. And so, like, I, you know, I just like look at the way that this has gone over the years. And, um, you know, like, when you look at the way that rookie quarterbacks are assessed or uh, draft eligible quarterbacks are assessed um, and, you know, like the way that the NFL processes them, um, you know, I, there, there are definitely examples of guys getting hot during the process. You know, like Baker Mayfield got hot during the process and wound up going in front of Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Um, Kyler Murray got hot during the process. Um, so, like, there are definitely examples, and there have been examples over the years. Zach Wilson got hot. You know, um, th- like, there are definitely examples of, like, guys sort of, all right, like, he checked this box at his pro day, and he checked this box at the combine, and now all of a sudden there's rumors that this team or this team might be interested, so you need to get above this spot in the draft order to go and get this guy. That can certainly happen. But I would say yeah, I'm with you in that, like, at the beginning of the process, I don't think that there's anybody slammed up. Now, I think Bryce Young checks every single box, right? But 
like you show me an example of a guy who's five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty five pounds, and runs four seven, who succeeded at that position. I mean, I I think the only uh, the only real example of it is Drew Brees, right? Mm-hmm. Like guys who are that height generally are really really like you have to be an incredible athlete to make it at that height because you have to be able to escape. Brees is the one exception, but he's a complete outlier, right? Um, you know, so I, I think that that's something that's, you know, like, like going to be the question with Stroud or with, with, with Young, with Stroud. The question is when you change the picture on him, when he's got to play out of structure. And I showed some of that stuff against Georgia. Or was that, that just a one-off? With Levis, you're kind of get betting on the come. Like, can he put it all together? Was his big year in 2021 a product of the offensive coordinator with Anthony Richardson? He's got all of these parts, but he, can he put the parts together? Um, so there are questions with all four of those guys, the four guys presumed to go in the first round. Um, and, you know, it's going to take somebody getting hot to build real value in the, in the pick. I would say that. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting, too, about the dynamic with the quarterbacks this year, if you wait a year, you got Caleb Williams and Drake May. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there are going to be a lot of teams that are looking at quarterbacks this year that are going to do the two-year thing. They're going to look at it and say, okay, we're going to have all of our scouts not only break down the four first-round guys and do a deep dive on all of them and do a study on all of them, we're also going to look at the guys going into the draft next year. And, you know, I think for the Bears, that's something that they have to do too, you know, and look at it and say, well, do we want to really throw out Justin Fields now and take a, and roll the dice with one of these other guys? Or do we want to sink another year into the development of Justin Fields, see where he can take us? Because obviously we know he's got great high-end potential, and then if it doesn't work out, maybe we're back in the mix for a Caleb Williams or a Drake May next year because if Fields doesn't have a very good season, then we're probably not going to be very good. Coming up next with Albert Breer, we talk about the playoff pitcher in the NFL and also why wasn't Black Monday blacker? We talk about it next on Cap and J. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Captain Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Coming up, we'll hear from Alex Brown. The great Alex Brown will be with us. Can hear his thoughts about the Bears and the NFL. Albert Breer's with us. You know, usually during Black Monday, we get a fallout of coaches, Albert. But in this one, only a couple of coaches being let go. Do you foresee more? Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I think there are a couple of factors. I mean, first of all, we already had a few Black Mondays, didn't we? I mean, the Colts and the Panthers and the, um, and the who am I missing? The Colts, the Panthers, and the Broncos already fired their coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of why. Um, Lovey Smith was fired on Sunday night. You know, so we only had the one firing on on, uh, on on Black Monday because we'd already had four. So that gets us up to five. That's a couple short of where the average normally is. We had ten openings last year. I think that's a factor. If you're going to have a high number one year, you're naturally going to have a few less the next year. You know, and then I think um, the, the the final factor is that there are more teams in the playoffs, and so you know, I I think with the fourteen team playoff field. You know, I think it's fair to ask, like, you know, what does Dallas do? What is what is uh, what is what do the Chargers do? What are the Cleveland? what do the Bucks do? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there are some questions left with some teams that made the playoffs. Where 
maybe now because of the expanded playoff field, it's a less of a absolute that if you make the playoffs, your coach is going to survive. Where, you know, I think when it was 12 teams, it was a little bit more that way. So after talking to Matt Eberflus, yep. how far away do you believe the Bears are and how far do you think he is? Not what he's going to say publicly, oh, we're close and we're going to add some pieces. How far away are they? Because I personally believe they have the worst roster in the NFL. I'd say two full off seasons, um, Cap. Like, I, think you can, I think you can change it in two full off seasons. And I think... You know, there's a good example, uh, you know, a good template, I think, in your division with what the Lions have done, you know. Um, and the Lions had to do some similar things where there was year one, you sort of hit the reset button, right? Like, and then you have to sort of, you know, pour into building the culture. And then, you know, year two, it's more about, you know, what can we do to, you know, like start to get high-end talent on the roster. And they go out and they draft Aiden Hutchinson. And, you know, it didn't look great at first this year, but the, but the Lions, you know, kept fighting and the culture had already been kind of embedded there. And so one and six becomes nine and eight and they don't make the playoffs. But, you know, now going into year three, like I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. But would it surprise anybody to see them in the playoffs, you know, in 2023? I'd say no. You know, so I think that that's sort of the template. If I'm Matt Eberflus, if I'm Ryan Poles, is look at what Detroit did. And Detroit was able to kind of fight through a whole bunch of losing to establish a culture and one that everybody in that building could believe in. And, you know, and, and it was able to withstand not only a, a really rough first year, but also a rough start to the second year. And then you start to see them turn the corner there. So I think, you know, what you're looking for as a Bears fan, I think is, you know, by the end of next year, you're starting to see the change take hold, and you're starting to see it go from encouraging signs within games to wins. And then, you know, you look at that. That then, whether your quarterback's Justin Fields or somebody else, I think it'll probably still be Fields. Now you're looking at you've got a clean cap, salary cap situation. You've got your picks, and you're going into 2024, 2024 off season with a chance to really strike and 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 build on what you've you've put in place over your first two years. Albert, I think the most interesting thing and the most interesting team in the playoffs for me are, are the 49ers because yeah. what Kyle Shanahan, no matter who is at the quarterback, he could be able to put up points. The question is, can they do that in the playoffs? What's going on in San Francisco where things are just starting to work really well no matter who the quarterback is it, led by Shanahan? <laughs> I mean, it, I think Kyle deserves a ton of credit. Kyle's really good at coaching quarterbacks, and we've seen him over the years get the most out of guys like you know Matt Schaub and Kirk Cousins but I think the other thing look at the players (laughs) you know what I mean like look who they've put around the quarterback you know they got Trent Williams at left tackle that's a hall of fame player right they got Mike McGlinchey who they drafted in the first round at right tackle they've got George Kittle who you know I I would say is the best all-around tight end in football like maybe not as good a receiver as Kelsey but all from an all-around standpoint the best in the game Throwing to Brandon Ayuk, who's playing like a first-round pick now, and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey behind you. And oh, by the way, like the score is never going to get out of hand because you get the best defense in the league on the other side. So, like, I I just think it's as good an environment as there is out there for a quarterback. You know, whether that quarterback's young or old, you you can plug a quarterback in there and get competent to play based on the coaching, based on the roster, based on the setup, and the way they can control games. 
Um, it's just a really, really healthy situation for a quarterback. And so I, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is like doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying like he's like Kyle Shanahan's joystick. You know what I mean? Like, and he's just sort of playing a video game with all the talent he's got out there and the scheme he's got. Uh, but you know, I, I I do think this is a fantastic situation for a quarterback to go into, and that's allowing us to see some of the things that Brock Purdy clearly showed at Iowa State that he's got a good head for the game, that you know from a makeup standpoint he's competitive, he's tough, um, all the things that you saw from him at Iowa State is you know Matt Campbell built that program into something it hadn't been in a long, long time with Brock Purdy as the centerpiece. You know, we're seeing those sorts of qualities because I think what they built in San Francisco is allowing those things to come out. Hey, we're out of time, but quickly, do you get to vote for Coach of the Year? And if you do or if you don't, who would you vote for? God, you're killing me now because I just did a ballot for our website, and I can't remember who I vote. I think I voted for Shanahan. I think it was Kyle. That's who I I, 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 I think it was Kyle. But I, but I think he deserves it based on – you know, what they what they did at quarterback. I mean, to, to do this with three different guys, to win 10 games in a row at the end of the year. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Brock Purdy's still undefeated as a starter. And, like, I, I don't know, guys. Like, if I had to pick it today, and I think they're going to make me pick it this week, but I, if I had to pick it today, I'd probably pick San Francisco to come out of the NFC. And to be able to do that with a rookie seventh-round quarterback is pretty impressive. So Kyle Shanahan's up there. But there are a lot of good candidates up uh, There are a lot of good candidates this year. Like, I think a few weeks ago, I might have picked Nick, Nick Sirianni. I think he's done a really good job. Um, Brian Dayball with the Giants. Um, there are a lot of guys who are deserving of consideration, no question about it. As always, Albert, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you. Go dogs. It is Albert Breer with us wow. here on ESPN 1000. He still sees that missed field goal in his nightmares. <laughs> uh, real, real team, real conference, real national championship. Two of them, back-to-back. Here's a guy that's a champion. It's Alex Brown. He'll join us in two minutes on Chicago's Home for Sports.